from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow, and we are here with my very dear friend and brother, Steve Moore, from Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline and the WABC radio show, More Money, which follows this show and many of these very same stations. Steve, thank you. Double thank you. duty today, beginning and the end. But you're the best guy, I think, to talk about some of this Trump interview stuff. You were out at Bedminster. We all had supper together with the former president afterwards. You've seen the interview. You did a great job on the show last night, by the way. Great job. Can't thank, thank you, you enough. Um, let me run. I want to. Well, let me just say overview. He, he spelled out an economic growth and prosperity agenda. That's the overview of the overview. And um, he emphasized op- reopening the spigots for fossil fuels, tax cuts, deregulation. He also spent a, some a good time, it's very interesting to me, on preserving the, um, the uh, reserve status, the world reserve status of the U.S. dollar. In fact... Um, if producer Kevin can play the King Dollar uh, line we have, I'm going to let you react to it, Steve. Let's start with the King Dollar, if we can get uh, Mr. Drosh to put it up. Our country's going to hell, and we're not going to be the big bar. We have power, but it's waning. In fact, it's waning in terms of our currency. And I'm not just talking about the value of our currency. I'm talking about our currency being used throughout the world. You want it to remain. You want the dollar to remain the world's reserve currency. Well, I think it's bigger than losing any war. Mm-hmm. I think if it doesn't, uh, look, we are already reverting to third world status in many ways. You look at our airports, you look at our terminals, you look at our filthy roads and broken roads and everything else. We're like a third world country. We have something that's very powerful, and that's our dollar all Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. but you take a look at what's happening to it now with other countries not using it and you know china wants to replace it with Mm -hmm. the yuan Mm -hmm. and it was unthinkable with us unthinkable would never have happened now people are thinking about it that could happen and if that happens that would be one of the worst things to happen to this country in 200 years Hmm. steve i I have spoken to him about this down through the years, King Dollar, but I was quite surprised. You know, he was very emphatic, and it's clearly on his mind. Um, People have accused him of being a cheap money guy. I don't think so. I mean, he equates the dollar with America greatness. What do you think about that? I think you've had a big impact on his thinking, because when I first met him, I don't know, eight years ago or something like that, that's you know, he was kind of in favor of that. He said, I want low interest rates and lots of money in the economy. But mm-hmm. I think he realizes now that, you know, the whole idea of King Dollar, which I think is, you coined that frame, I believe, Larry. I think that's um, embedded in his thinking now. And the, the, it's a more general theme that he was talking about in that um, whole interview, and especially that um, little passage that you just played, which is, America's on a bad course right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're headed in the wrong direction <laughs> with respect to the border, with respect to energy policy, which he's exactly right, uh, that the uh, number, the uh, percentage of um, world transactions that are dollarized today is falling. Now, we still have a commanding height, but the direction is bad. Uh, you know, with respect to our fiscal policy, it's in the wrong direction. 
And I think that's what this I think that Donald Trump will be the nominee, Larry. And I think that if the election is about Trump, I think he's going to lose. But if it's about his policies and his Mm. ideas and what he did for the country, I think he will win. I think he's doing a pretty good job of making it about issues and policy. Exactly. You know, much better than he has in the past, right? Right. I mean, I think that's... No, that's right. You know, I, I, you know when I, I mean, emailed you after that interview and I said what I really loved about that interview was that he was optimistic. He right. has a really, I mean, his demeanor, and we have dinner with him, he's just, I don't know how he does it, Larry, frankly. I mean... Mm. He's got, what, facing 500 years in prison or something like that? <laughs> yes, you know, right, he's going to get right. indicted for walking across the street next week. I mean, the the trash that they're throwing at him. And he has this, you know, very upbeat demeanor. He's relaxed. I love this new Trump. And I think if he can keep that up, I think he's going to be the next president. Yes, absolutely. He's got a great shot at it. I want to play some more, get you to react on it. Um uh, Producer Drosh, how about the energy inflation tape? Do you have that? Inflation was caused, in my opinion, by energy because it, it's so big. Energy is so big. It's like all-encompassing everything. You make donuts and the mm-hmm. ovens and the trucks that deliver them. And no matter what you do, it's so much about energy. And when they stopped drilling, when they, you know, we had it going like nobody, you were a big part of it. You really had a big thing going for selling all this to Europe yeah, and all these other countries, yes, right? And we would have made a fortune. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so sad to see what they did. They cut it off. And again, we, we were drilling much more. We were a bigger force than Russia and Saudi Arabia individually. In a year and a half, we would have been a bigger force than them combined and we right. would have made so much money. We would have been paying off debt. We would have been doing things that nobody's ever seen this country do. You know, Steve, one of the key points here, um, he mentioned, he said energy is all-encompassing. You know, it affects like a couple of hundred items in the CPI, among other things. And then, of course, uh, as you point out, we're short a couple of million barrels a day where we day, should yeah. be because of the anti-drilling policies and the uh, anti-fossil policies. But he has a great understanding of the relationship, energy, inflation, and, you know, world politics. Yep, he does. And it isn't really that complicated. I I don't understand how the Democrats don't get this. That You know, uh, if you think over the the geopolitics over the last 50 or 60 years, it really has been driven by energy policy, right? The Middle East had... Uh, OPEC, and they were able to control the world economy and thrust the U.S. economy into recession back in the 70s. And, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about OPEC when Trump was president. <laughs> if you Google OPEC, hmm. nobody ever talked about it because Trump crushed OPEC hmm. because he opened up the spigots. And, and he is exactly right. We went from being third in the world to first in the world uh, in energy production. We are 2 million barrels uh, less than we would be if we uh, per day, and that's 170 million a day that the United States is losing. How is that? I mean, I wish we had Biden on. I'd like to ask him, how is that in America's interest? We also have an abundance. Our friend Harold Hamm talked mm. about our abundance of natural gas. Natural gas is the greatest fuel ever. It, it reduces greenhouse gas emissions, yes. and the left is against that, too. So they're against anything that works, and we are for whatever works. I mean, this is a monumentally important story, the war against fossil fuels from Biden, a monumentally important story. 
And, uh, of course, Trump will hammer away at that. And he would take, right? I mean, um, Trump, Trump said yes to the XL pipeline. He said yes to Anwar. He said yes to drilling. These are huge things. And America needs this stuff, it seems to me. And he's, and the other thing is, you know, the other candidates, I'm sure they agree with Trump, but they don't hardly ever talk about it. And the thing I love about him is he gets it right out there, right out there. Yeah, he, le- he leads with it. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, well, by the way, Harold, I want to mention Harold Hamm because you did that interview with him hmm. on your show a couple of weeks ago. One of the things that he said, because, you know, the, how for the last 60 years, the left and the environmental, oh, we're running out of oil and gas. And there was a story in the in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago. Oh, maybe the, you know, they've, they've reached peak, you know, production and with shale. And you asked Harold about that. He said, hell no. He said, mm. we're just beginning. This evolution is just beginning. Uh, yeah. And so we, we have a super abundance and, of oil, gas, and don't forget about coal, Larry. Mm-hmm. Coal, we have 600 years worth of coal. Coal is still a major form of energy all around the world. And um, it is cleaner in the United States than anywhere in the world. So why are we shutting down our coal plants? And they could export big time. Exactly. Yeah, yep. that's a really important point. Um, Trump, on the other hand, is not very keen on our current Federal Reserve Chairman, Jay Powell. We've got a clip of him. I asked him if he would reappoint Jay Powell. And uh, if uh, producer Drosch can put it up, here's what he said. Now, Powell's been reappointed, as you well know. He's going to be there till 2026. So a, a second Trump uh, administration, you have to put up with Jay Powell. What would you do about that? And would you think about reappointing him or speaking with him? Or how would you handle that? Because interest rates can be important tools to stop inflation, but they can also destroy growth. Yeah, uh, I would not reappoint him. <laughs> uh, I thought he was always late, <laughs> whether it was good or bad, but he was always late. Uh, I was surprised he was reappointed. Probably he got reappointed because they knew I didn't like him much. Uh, I felt that he was uh, not good. In fact, I was very tough on him. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't, I think we would have had much higher interest rates for much longer. And we had a boom, and it was primarily, in fact, one time, it looked like I was going to come down on a very hard, and he actually dropped them so much that it was like, it was, he dropped them so much at one time. Remember? And people said, wow, what's wrong with the economy? He gave a most improved player. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He gave most improved letter when he <laughs> finally cut rates during COVID. Um, yeah. You know, we can do. We can get a better Fed chairman, Steve. A better Fed chairman. You can know, yeah, and, and yeah, people he, forget, by the way, that I, I'm, I think it was two thousand was it two thousand eighteen at the end of two thousand eighteen. He choked off the economy, and yes. he almost thrust the economy into recession. And Trump, quite correctly, was was just hounding him on this and and saying, "Come on!" And as soon as he finally admitted remember it was right about christmas i think of 2018 the cot the tank the stock market was tanking the economy was starting to head south and trump was exactly right about this and as soon as he started cutting those rates oh my god the economy just took off like a rocket ship so trump has a kind of uh street smarts when it comes to this stuff right and i don't think jay powell does you know uh on the numbers for that after the tax cuts passed in late 2017 by the middle of 2018, Steve, I looked this, uh, looked through this. Uh huh. The four-quarter change in GDP 
had reached 3.3%, which was the highest in many years. And then, as you said, and as Trump said, Powell starts raising rates uh, in the autumn of 2018, and the economy starts to head south again. But we had done what, remember, we wanted a 3% plus growth rate. And uh, we, we got it. We actually got it. And then Powell started choking it off. You know um, why, Larry? Because they believe that the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell and his, what, a 400 PhD economist over there, they believe that growth causes inflation. And mm-hmm. our buddy Art Laffer has proven that to be untrue a hundred times. Growth means more supply, more products, lower prices, and more growth. Those things are compatible. And Trump, again, Trump just, he's not an economist, right? Mm-hmm. But he just gets this stuff because he's a businessman, and he understands the way the world works, which is such a contrast with Joe Biden, who has no concept at all about the way the world works. All right. Uh, We're talking to the great Steve Moore from uh, FreedomWorks and Heritage Foundation and his daily Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, which is a must-read. And Steve is the host of the WABC radio show, More Money which uh, plays right after this show. Steve, hang with me. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back in just a few moments. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with the great Steve Moore from uh, Freedom Works and Heritage Foundation and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline. By the way, folks, the Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline is a daily show called More Money. We're talking about uh, my interview with uh, former President Donald Trump this past week, which played on Fox Business uh, Thursday and Friday. Steve was on the show Friday, and Steve was with us out there in Bedminster, we had supper with the former president. It was a great supper. You're right. He was, you know, that supper, he was relaxed. Right. He was talking about issues. He was, you know, making some jokes about this, that, and the other thing. And he had been indicted two days before. I mean, it really was something. That's unbelievable. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't think there's anyone. I mean, is he like superhuman or something? He's got some kind of uh, <laughs> right. shield or something that, yeah. you know, protects him because, it, look, I mean, how do you do that? You, most Americans, most people would just be a, a, a wreck uh, facing what he's faced. And mm. look, whether you like Donald Trump or not, you've got to admit that the way he's been treated by the Democrats and the media has been the shabbiest treatment of any president in history by a mm. mile. Mm. And yet he's still... He still just soldiers forward. A lesser man would just say, to hell with this. He he was so focused during the interview, Steve. He just was focused on the substance. You know, I mean, I wanted an economic interview, and that's what we did. <laughs> I mean, it really was quite remarkable. All right. One of the more interesting parts of this thing, uh, his views on trade and tariffs, and he's talking about a very aggressive trade policy. And I want to play the tape on this and uh, get your comment. I know you know some of this, but uh, if producer Kevin runs that uh, tariff uh, uh, tape, you uh, let everybody uh, hear it, and then we'll talk about 
I think we should have a ring around the collar, as mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. I think when companies come in and they dump their products in the United States, they should pay automatically, let's say, a 10 percent tax. Mm-hmm. That money would be used to pay off debt. It's a massive amount of money, mm-hmm. even a 10 percent. It's not going to stop business because it's not that much, but it's enough that would really make a lot of money. The other thing I want to have is a matching tax where if India charges us, India is very big with uh, tariffs. Oh, yeah, very protective. Okay. I mean, I saw it with Harley Davidson. I was saying, how do you do in a place like India? Oh, no good, sir. Why? They have 100% and 150% and 200% tariffs. So I said, so they can sell their Indian motorbike. They actually make a bike, Indian motorbike. They can sell that into our country with no tax, no tariff. But when you make a Harley, when you send it over there, because they were doing no business, I said, how come you don't do business with India? The tariff is so high that nobody wants it. But what they want us to do is they want us to go over and build a plant, Mm. and then you have no tariff. Mm. I said, well, that's not good. That's not our deal, okay? That's not our deal. And I came down very hard on them. Uh, But India is very big. Brazil is very big on tariffs. I mean, very, very big. And uh, we had a couple of people, like the senator from a place called Pennsylvania that I love. Uh, But this guy was just horrendous. I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, If India is charging us 200% and we're charging them nothing for products, can we charge him 100%? No, sir, that's not free trade. Mm. Can we charge him 50%? No, sir, 25, 10, anything, no. I said, what the hell is wrong? This, there's something wrong. You know who I'm talking about. I do. Every single thing we tried to get through, he would try and block. So if India is charging us too, so what I want to have is a called retribution, you could call it whatever you want. If they charge us, we charge Reciprocity. them. Reciprocity. You could call Reciprocity. it anything. There's many names. You call it equalization. Mm-hmm. If they ch- All right. Reciprocity. And then uh, a 10% ring around the collar. Uh, but I, I don't, I think that he wants to merge the two. Uh, you and I were talking to him about this at dinner. First of all, you go ahead, Steve. What's your reaction to all this? Because this is very controversial. Well, look, I believe in free trade you believe in free trade our mm-hmm. labor believes in free trade but you know if the goal is free trade how do we get other countries to reduce their tariffs right. uh, which is in the interest of us and their own citizens and trump has i think very effectively used the sword of tariffs to with the objective of having these other countries reduce their tariffs and in many instances larry i mean you were there but it worked right he was able to force some of these countries I mean, he told the story about the, you know, he's gonna, he said he was gonna pose a big tariff on French wine. He said mm-hmm. that got, <laughs> that mm-hmm. got the uh, French government's attention, and they started, you know, they started playing fairly. And so, if that's the objective of of uh, you know creating more free trade and not putting America at a disadvantage, then I'm all for it. I think it is. I mean, my experience with him, with. Um U.S., Mexico, Canada, USMCA, also Japan, also South Korea, and, of course, the biggest mm-hmm. one was the China trade deal. He uses tariffs as a negotiating tool. Right. The art of the deal. Yep. I mean, that, he would punish, but then he'd bring them to the table. And I think that's what he wants, to equalize um, you know, tariffs and ultimately to bring them down. Now, it will be controversial and it will be yeah. mi- misrepresented, but I think that's what he wants. Steve, we're out of time now. 
You and I and Liz Peek are going to talk much later in the show. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. You're terrific okay. stuff. Yeah. Folks, we're going to take... Congratulations, by the way, on the amazing interview. They did right. got picked up everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Folks, we will break. And then the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the indictments of Mr. Trump. We have Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz, the most brilliant guy. And he's going to give us his views. You may be very surprised at how hostile he is to some of these indictments. I'm Kudlow. We'll be back. We'll be back. 